You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. What's going on, you guys? Hope that you are having a fantastic week. We wanted to record uh, somewhat of a bonus bonus podcast uh, this week, and uh, because we didn't have in-person services this week, we wanted to make sure uh, that we just made a connection this week. So we asked for some questions over the last few days, and you sent them in, and I have my beautiful wife, Larissa, here staring at me from across the table. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we are going to answer some of your questions to the best of our abilities. We are by no means experts um, in theology or relationships or really anything, but we like to think that we're pretty good at a lot of things, just not great at any one thing. Right? Sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. So uh, let's just jump in. We're going to we're gonna try to keep this uh, short and concise. Uh, we might have to split it into a couple different podcasts, but we'll try to cover as many of these questions as we possibly can. So go ahead, babe. Okay. Let's see. How about what are some good ways to dig into the Bible? I feel stuck. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I would say that I have felt like this a lot of times in my life. And the best advice that I can give you is to just try to find something, try to find a reading plan or a study or something that really resonates with you and that you really like. Because if you are trying to read the Bible and you're trying to read, I don't know, some kind of like Latin book and you don't know Latin, it's not gonna, you're not gonna understand. You're not gonna pick mm. anything up. So if you can find, um, like a, a plan or even a group of friends who want to read the Bible together and you can get something out of it. It doesn't matter if it's super juvenile or simple or mm-hmm. if it's, you know, a 20 minute a day or even longer, um, study. It, all that matters is that it's something that God is speaking to you through. Mm-hmm. So one that I really like is called the, f- it's called first five and it's by Lisa Turkhurst, who's one of my favorite pastors. But um, it's basically just talks about giving the first five minutes of your day to God. And so she goes through, so far I think she's pretty much done every book of the Bible, and then she has different topics. So that's one that I found that I really like, but um, that's something I've had to do too, to kind of like dig around and find different um, programs or what do you call it, Bible studies yeah. that work for me. Um, so if you feel stuck, don't feel like you have to keep doing whatever you're doing. Just try to find something that works for you and maybe it's the time of day maybe you need to do it early morning or late at night or um mix things up to try and see what works for you Mm, that's good that's good yeah i'll just add um start small don't feel like i feel like there's like this really big pressure i don't know where it starts depending on where you are in your walk with jesus but so many people try to read the bible in a year they try to do i i've i've read through the bible um probably twice front to back in my entire life and i did it and what i found is I I didn't really get a ton out of it when I was just trying to do too much. And so um, even like Larissa was saying, like do five minutes, just get in the Bible, find something that's, that's enjoyable. You, I mean, you can eventually get to a point where you stretch yourself. Um, but, but start small. Don't feel like you have to read so much and you're not trying to impress anybody. Jesus isn't impressed by how many chapters of the Bible you can read every single day. He just wants you to spend time with him. So, uh, and I would also say, one of the best ways to get unstuck in your biblical reading is to pray, invite the Holy Spirit to get into your life and inspire you because sometimes you're not going to understand things on your own and let the Holy Spirit just kind of point things out to you that you probably wouldn't catch on your own. And and then as you move on, get a commentary. There are people in this world who are so much smarter than we are and um, 
you can read something and then go read what they had to say and what, what they got out of it. And you can be like, Oh my gosh, I would have never even caught those words. Or I don't, I don't speak Greek. I don't speak Hebrew. I, I need somebody else. I need somebody smarter. Um, and hopefully one day we can be those people for, for others. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Next question. Next question. Here we go. Okay. How do you know which things are okay for Christians to do and not to do? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, really broad, but I, I think that I always come back to, to Philippians 4, chapter 8, and I'm not going to be able to quote it off the top of my head, but it says whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy. It says think think on these things, think on such things as this. And I would say that as you are stepping into situations in your life, is this true? Is this noble? Is this praiseworthy? Like, is this honorable to Jesus? And then also on just like a, a pure practical level, like if you have, if you are uncomfortable with something or you're questioning something in your gut, then it's probably not something that you should be doing. Like if you can confidently step into it and say, yeah, I think Jesus would be okay with this. Then, then maybe you can use your discernment, but, but use your gut. And then I think that the, yeah, Philippians four, eight, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's praiseworthy. Think about those such, do those things. Do those things. Yeah. I would also say that I have had a really bad habit in the past of, comparing myself to others instead of to like the things that other people do instead of what God wants me to do. Mm. So I have Christian friends who cuss a lot or who, um, you know, go out and get drunk and just because they're Christians and they're doing it doesn't make it okay. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if it's something that you don't know if it's, you know, if you're doing something and you don't know if God would be pleased by that or not, that needs to be between you and God, not between you and your friends or you and your parents. Um, but yeah, I just love, that's a really good verse to just kind of like measure what Hmm. your actions and how that's making other people feel. I think against what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a, a very pastoral answer for, I mean, I am a pastor, but it's hard to stop in the moment and say, okay, is this, is this true? Is this praiseworthy? Is this noble? But I think the the more you take time and pause, I think that that's something that we we fail to do is pause enough as we're stepping into situations. And um, if people are trying to peer pressure you into something, or you're even like feel like just an internal stirring to be like you're you feel like the that the enemy or or Satan or whatever is trying to pressure you into certain situations, like be willing to pause. Like taking an extra couple minutes to think about through what you're about to do is always worth it. So just just take the time to think it through. Okay. Do you have any advice for those who are struggling to trust God with post-grad life? Okay. Um, I think that there's this like society pressure to know exactly what you're doing, even for people who are not post-grad, but maybe out of high school and thinking about college or going into college. Um, Probably, honestly, even through like your 20s and 30s where people are like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have babies? You know, everyone's asking this next step. And so I think that there's just all this pressure on people to um, kind of have it all together and you don't have to have it all together. And so, Mm -hmm. um, so struggling to trust God, I guess kind of like what Evan said on the last question, just being willing to pause and just be quiet and listen to what, um, God is asking of you and also to have people in your life that you're willing to ask hard questions to, to sit down and say like, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you 
offer me guidance? Can you help me with these decisions? But you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have a 10-step plan in place for this year or for the next five years. Um, but I think just knowing that God sees you and he, um, he's going to guide you through it is comforting to me. But um, at the same time, I know that God isn't always actively talking to you either. So just being willing to be silent and listening and um, seek others' counsel as well, I think is a really good way to, mm-hmm. you know, find out what else God wants for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think I would answer that question maybe with a question and, and ask, like, what what makes trusting God harder post-graduation than trusting God through whether it's college or high school or, or the last, you know, 20 odd years of your life. And, and maybe it's individual circumstance, but I would even maybe venture to, to answer that question and say that post-graduation, it might be one of the first times in your life where there wasn't like a systematic answer to what's next. Like there's like in your life, you, I mean, don't really make any decisions for the first five or six years of your life and then you've got elementary school and then you've got middle school and then you've got high school and then you've got college and there's just this like maybe post high school you had the opportunity to not go to college and that was like the first first big major quote unquote adult decision that you make but if you if that wasn't your case like you you've just kind of followed like many of us followed the progression that so many people would expect of you and then once you graduate college it's like, all right, <laughs> like there's just a million different avenues instead of making one or two different decisions. Now every decision has to be made and it's from vocation to relationship to all those things. And so I think that maybe just the burden of all the decisions makes us feel more um, stressed out and then it can be really easy for us to, to stop trusting God. And so I would say just get back to the basics, get back to, to the root of, of why you trusted God through junior high and high school and even in college and all of those things, which I I think it can be really easy for us to discount the simple moments that we trusted God. And then when we get to the big moments, we, we feel like it has to be something different when I think that Jesus just wants the simple trust that, that we would have. And so, um, don't think that post-graduation, um, requires more trust than the last 20 years. Like your trust in Jesus over the last 20 years is valid and uh, just keep on trusting Jesus the way that you have up to this point and, and allow him to, to show up and work in the, in the small ways and the big ways, just like he always has. I would also say that if you're afraid that you're going to make the wrong decision, like Evan said, that now there's all these different things you can do. Um, even if you make the wrong decision, God can use that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I hate making decisions with everything no. in me. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I hate it. So um, I think that's something that is always very stressful for me and kind of like holds me back from trusting God or trusting other people because I'm like, I don't want to make the wrong decision. I don't want to choose the wrong path. But knowing that God can work through your mistakes and um, God can just work through anything that you do that's very comforting mm-hmm. to me to know that um, I can still trust that his way is perfect, even mm-hmm. when I am very much not. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's a word, Pastor. <laughs> okay. Do you want to do some relationship ones? Sure. Okay. I have two right here. Okay. So um, the first one is, what is your advice for couples getting married young? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If 
if anybody's had a conversation with me about this before they they're gonna they're gonna hear the answer that I pretty much give to everyone um I think there's a pressure in Christian culture to get married young and I say that as someone who got married young I was we were 21 when we got married um and we probably like 10 years like now 10 years down the road we probably got married too young almost 11 almost 11 yeah yeah 11 next month um we we probably got married too young and i and i don't know that we felt incredible pressure to get married young we had dated for a collective amount of time for like over 4 years and so we knew each other really really well it wasn't like we were rushing into anything um but what i would say for anyone who's dating and anybody who is on the verge of of getting married um or who ha- is recently married appreciate every season um there's not I think that there's this like really big culture now to like get married, like get engaged and get married in within like a year. And for some people that's fine. I'm not trashing on that at all, but I would really, really encourage people to appreciate the seasons for what they are. Your dating season, you're going to learn so much about each other and your engaged season, whether it's three months or a full year, or some people get engaged for like a year and a half or two years, like use that season to learn something significant because I think it will set up your marriage to be something where you are continually learning about each other. Like Larissa said, we're almost 11 years into this thing and we learn stuff about each other all the time now. And I talk to people who've been married for decades and decades and decades, and they're still learning things about one another. So appreciate every season for what it is. Don't, don't just rush into something or, um, don't feel like there's not any more to learn because I think that that is where we can get stagnant if we don't, if we don't have a, a, a posture of, of continuing to learn about our spouse. Yeah. Um, I know that you said we got married too young, but I really hate when people say that <laughs> just because. No, we didn't get married too young. No, we, we got didn't. married at the perfect time. Yeah. Okay. We were fully ready. Not necessarily what Evan said, <laughs> but I think that if um, specifically older people see young 19 or 20 year olds getting married I've heard so many people say, oh, you're too young to get married. And instead of being a support or encouragement, it's just kind of like a, like an automatic, you're not going to last, you're going to fail because you're too young. And so not that Evan is thinking that about us, but I just, I'm I'm definitely not thinking that about (laughs) us. I just always want to be an encouragement to people who are getting married young and they're going to hear that all the time. I mean, I'm sure our parents probably said that to us. I don't know. Oh yeah. I don't really remember being told that a lot, but I know I've heard other people. Um, I know other people have been told that. So, um, I would say that just knowing that that's something that our society looks at is like age specific. Like if you're not graduated from college, have a good job, (laughs) maybe own your house or, able to buy a house like you're too young Mm -hmm. i don't know like what the steps are like what would make someone think that you're old enough or mature enough i don't know but i we were so immature for (laughs) the first (laughs) while of our marriage and like evan said we're still learning a lot of things about each other um but i think just knowing that one it doesn't matter how old you are your marriage can fail so you Mm -hmm. could get married at 19 and you could be married for the rest of your lives or you could get married at 30 and you know get divorced within two years so it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. your age doesn't matter but I think one of the most important things is to surround yourself with people who are in the Mm -hmm. same stage of life as you and also people who have 
gone before you. So yep. that is something that Evan and I are really passionate about. So we actually started a young marriage ministry here mm-hmm. at the church because we wanted to um, just be around other people who had been, who were young and who were married. And some of them have gotten married as young as we were, but um, yeah, just to kind of give people a specific group to meet and talk about challenges and talk about, um, yeah, just talk about life together. And yeah, I just see so many people get married and then kind of like disappear. Mm -hmm. They just want to like do their thing and be married and not, Mm. you know, hang out with people or find community. And I would say if you're married or not married, like you need community. God made us as relational beings and he, just doing marriage by yourself, the two of you, is mm. so much harder mm-hmm. than it needs to be. So my advice for couples getting married young would be to be would be to find good, strong, healthy community. Mm-hmm. Um, even just like a community group of married couples where you guys can talk about your issues and pray together and um, just hold one another up. And I think, yeah, you just really need community, I think, as a young mm-hmm. married couple. Yeah. Wow. So good. I want to double down, triple down, triple down on that. I would say that that would probably be the number one piece of advice is just find your people is, is, um, and and I want to say this too. I think that that so often what we've experienced over the last five years of doing full-time ministry is that we, um, we have, we, we run, you know, college age movement and people get in serious relationships. They meet people at college age, Whatever it may be, and then they which get, we love. which we love, so we love, cute. we love being a part of your love story. But we also have seen so many people get married and then leave the community, and not leave it for a different community, but just leave community. And we fully understand that because I think that we kind of did the same thing when we were seriously dating and we got married. That wasn't our initial. Our initial thought was, well, we found our person, like, mm-hmm. and it's great you did, you found your person, but you still need your people, and so. Stay in community. Come to college age movement. Come to our young adults ministry or our young marrieds ministry. Um, whatever it may be, people might not be in the same season as you, but you have something to offer. And, and when you're married, single people still have valuable insight into relationship and, and things that you so quickly dismiss or things that you so quickly forget. And so, so have community and and just know that we're here for you in so many different ways. And uh, that we we are just really really passionate about there the fact that there is never a season of life where community is not important that you'll never from here to eternity community is going to be probably the best thing that you can do for any relationship. Um, whether it's your personal relationship with Jesus or it's your relationship with your spouse or it's relationship with friends, be in legitimate, genuine, honoring, trustworthy community. And you'll find yourself in really, really good spots. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then the other, um, relationship question is, is it okay for me to date an atheist when they are fine with me being really Christian? Okay. (laughs) Um, I want to be brutally honest and just say no. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Next question. Just kidding. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, First of all, I do want to say that just because you're not a Christian, that doesn't make you or them. They're not bad people. No, absolutely not. They are not Christians. And I think non-Christians get like a bad rap all yeah. the time. Like they are absolute heathens. I know people who are not Christians who are nicer Christian. and better and more yeah. Christian. Yeah. More Christian than most than Christians. People who would say they're Christian. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
okay, but here's the thing. When, if you were to date them and then you were to get married, like, think about the next years of your life. Like, Mm -hmm. are you planning to have kids? Mm -hmm. And if you want to have kids, then do you want your kids to go to church? Do you want your kids to pray before bed? Do you want, um, like, what do you want Christmas to look like and Easter and, and, um, you know, all those things like, do you want your kids to attend Sunday school? Do you want your kids to be taught the stories of the Bible or do you want them to be like fairy tales? Mm -hmm. And I think it's really easy to fall in love with someone and to be like so smitten and so happy right now that you're like, Oh, these things will just fall into place. But those are, you know, real questions that you need to ask yourself. And, um, I just see so many potential fights happening and so many (laughs) like just, arguments and quarrels just because your values might not be the same and Mm -hmm. they might want your kids to be really nice people and to not steal things or hit other children and that's great sure but um like i cannot imagine raising kids with evan if evan didn't want to pray over our kids or Mm -hmm. um like if one of our kids did something wrong and evan's immediate reaction wasn't to like calmly sit down with them and talk to them. And I know a lot of that is just like who Evan is as a person, but (laughs) super calm dad, dad of the year all the time. Yeah, Always. But also just having Jesus as the number one person in not only Evan and I's relationship, but also the relationship with our kids. That just makes a really big difference when we have the same values. We're working towards the same thing instead of me having to constantly convince Evan of why I want to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I can't add very much to that. Just throw out some amens, and I I wrote down like just a couple quick like chicken scratch notes to that question, and and the the things that I said: parenting values, priorities, purity, all of those things that Larissa already touched on. Is those are things that you actually have to think about. Is that your priorities and the things that that you hold valuable might not be the things that they hold valuable, and that's going to cause a lot of tension in your in your relationship. And and then I throw out too is. I never want to be the guy that like says that every single person that you date should be somebody that like the Christian culture is like, can you see yourself marrying them? And I think that's a valid question. Eventually you it's hard. That's hard to tell until you're a ways into the relationship. You're not gonna have coffee with somebody one time and be like, yep, that's my wife Maybe or maybe, maybe. (laughs) Um, But sometimes you got to get to know them and figure out what their priorities and what their values are and all those types of things. But if you get to that moment where you're in a serious relationship and you can't answer the question, yeah, I do want to marry this person and I do want, I do see this person as being the dad of my children or the mother of my children and, and, and answer all those questions that Larissa already talked about, I don't think it's worth dating them. And so... Uh, the Bible is very, very clear about being equally yoked. And so the the easy biblical answer to that would be, no, you're not equally yoked. You're not running the same race. And so I would I would uh, stay away from it. And I also don't think that you should missionary date. I think that's what a lot of people do. Well, I'll, I'll show them that Jesus is real. I'll show them that Jesus is, is the Messiah and, you know, the Savior of the world. And, and then we're six months into our relationship and they're finally a Christian. You want to you wanna start a, by having a friendship and you want to start – with something where you're both pursuing Jesus independently before because missionary dating will be really, really dangerous in the fact that they won't be dependent on Jesus. They'll be dependent on you. And, um, that's a really dangerous way to go. So obviously every relationship is different and we'd love to sit down and talk to you in person. If you are in a relationship like that, because we're curious about the the individual circumstances. Um, 
but generally speaking, I would avoid being in a relationship with anybody who's not equally yoked, who's not running the same race that you are. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.